Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I say. Let my teaching fall on you like rain. Let my speech settle like dew. Let my words fall like rain on tender grass, like, sh like gentle showers on young plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he is. But they have acted corruptly toward him when they act so perversely. Are they really his children? They are deceitful and twisted generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Isn't he your father who created you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of long ago. Think about generations past. Ask your father and he will inform you. Inquire of your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up to the human, of the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. He found them in a desert land, desert land, in an empty, howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes, like an eagle that roused, that roused her chicks and hovers over her young. So he spreads his wings to take them up and carried him, them safely on his pinions. The Lord alone guided them. They followed no foreign gods. He let them ride over the highlands and feast on the crops of the fields. He nourished them with honey from the rock and olive oil from the stony ground. He fed them yogurt from the herd and milk from the flock, together with the fat of the lambs. He gave them choice rams from Bashan and goats, together with the choicest wheat. You drank the finest wine made from the juices of grapes. But Israel soon became fat and unruly. The people grew heavy, plump, and stuffed. Then they abandoned the God who had made them. They made light of the rock of their salvation. They stirred up his jealousy by worshiping foreign gods. They provoked his fury with detestable deeds. They offered sacrifices to demons, which are not God, to gods they had no, not known before, to new gods only recently arrived, to gods their ancestors had never feared. You neglected the rock who had fathered you. You forgot the God who had given you birth. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, you are an amazing God, and I thank you so much for the just the testimonies of how you've worked in our lives this week and the week before. And you are so gracious, you are so merciful, you are so good. And we just acknowledge our need of you again this morning. And I acknowledge my need that you would speak this morning, that you would teach this morning, that you would open up our ears and our eyes to see what you want us to hear, what you want us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. going to start with a little test this morning. It's going to be uh, 23 questions. And if you, uh, so on an elite schooling level, we'll, we'll let you miss two for an, a, for an A, okay? You can miss four for a B and so forth. 
Yeah, this is serious stuff. So this is the test. It's, it's to test your Old Testament understanding. Okay? And I'm going to go through these 23 questions really quick. And I just want you to answer them in your own head. I don't want you calling out and embarrassing yourself with the wrong answers. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. You ready? Who was it that appeared to Hagar after Sarah kicked her out? Genesis 16. Who was it that appeared to Abraham? This is number two. See, we're going quick. Who was it that appeared to Abraham and talked about the destruction of Sodom with him in Genesis 18? Number three. Who was it that wrestled with Jacob? Genesis 32. Who was it that appeared to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3? Are you with me? You got the? Okay, good. Who was it, number five, who went through Egypt striking down every firstborn in houses without blood on them? Exodus 12. Who was it that led Israel through the wilderness in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? Exodus 13. Who was it that spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai and gave him the law? Exodus 34. Who was it that appeared to Joshua as the commander of the Lord's army in Joshua 5? Who was it that appeared to Samson's parents in Judges 13 announcing his birth? Those are the first nine. You doing okay? Okay. The next seven. Who was being predicted in Genesis 3.15 when God speaking, speaking to Satan said, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Who was being predicted in Genesis 12.3 when God speaking to Abraham said, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you? Who was being predicted in Deuteronomy 18.18 when God, speaking to Moses, said, I will raise up a prophet like you. 1 Chronicles 17.12, God's promise to David. Who was being predicted when he said, I will secure his throne forever. Or, number five, Psalm 22, where... Who was being predicted when it says, all my bones are out of joint, they divide my garments among themselves. Or in Isaiah 7, 14, where it says, a virgin will conceive a child. Or in Isaiah 61, 1, where it says, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This is the third section of your test coming up. Who is being pictured... See the first one, who was it? The first section, the th second section, who was being predicted? The third, who was being pictured in Genesis, excuse me, in Exodus 12 by the Passover lamb? Or in Genesis 15, Abraham's meeting of Melchizedek? Who was being, or what was being pictured? by the tabernacle or the temple with all of its articles, the ark of the covenant, the showbread, the candelabra, the burnt altar, or the altar of burnt offering. 
Who was being pictured or what, what was being pictured throughout the Old Testament, through all the sacrifices and offerings, the peace offering, the sin offering, the burnt offering, the grain offering, the guilt offering, all those offerings? Who was being pictured by all the feasts in the Old Testament? The Feast of Passover or Unleavened Bread or the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Harvest and so forth. Just an intriguing thing in the Old Testament. You'll find it in Leviticus 14. What or who was being pictured by, by the cleansing or the purification ceremony of someone who had skin disease when they were supposed to take a lamb um, and slaughter it and mix with their blood, with that lamb's blood, cedar, a stick of cedar, scarlet yarn, and a hyssop branch. What was being pictured by that in order to bring about the cleansing of someone's skin disease? What or who was being pictured by the scarlet robe that Rahab let the spies down from Jericho, Jericho's wall in Joshua chapter 2? Probably the easiest test you've ever taken. And the kind of test we would all like to take because it's the same answer to every question. Jesus. If you'd like a copy of this, I'll give you a copy if if I read too fast. And this is just a smattering, just a smattering And I hope of what gives you an idea of what in the Old Testament are just amazing glimpses of Jesus. It's the theme throughout the whole Bible, not just the New Testament, the Old Testament. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus dominates uh, looking forward to him. Uh, You know, hundreds of prophecies, pictures, uh, appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament, fixing our eyes on him and who he is and what he means to us. And so in the five weeks leading up to Easter, it's what um, Daniel and I are going to give you a glimpse of in the next five weeks is we're going to do five glimpses of Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, I trust in order not only to open our understanding more of just how Jesus is just covers the Old Testament, but but also to give us just a more amazing understanding of our God as he's revealed to us. So we're going to start today with what Angelica read in Deuteronomy chapter 32. If you're there, we're going to start there, but I'm going to really ask you to put your kind of thinking caps on this morning because we are going to go through a lot of scripture. As we look at, um, would you get to Deuteronomy 32 there? Um, How it concluded in verse 18. Deuteronomy 32, 18. Notice again what she read. She said, as God is speaking through Moses to the Israelites, he says, You neglected the rock who had fathered you. You forgot the God 
who had given you birth. That's what we're going to look at this morning. God, our rock. Um, If you were to do a um, concordant search throughout the Bible of the word rock, you'd be amazed to find the dozens and dozens and dozens of times where God is referred to as the rock. A very important picture that we're going to look at this morning of our God. Well, to start with, I, one of my favorite pastimes when, I'm, when I want to know anything or at least sound intelligent, I do a Google search. <laughs> right? It's a great way to make it look like you know a lot. And so that's what I did last night. <laughs> I did a search of, well, if I wanted to find the hymn, uh, the words of the hymn, Rock of Ages, as I was going to be talking about God our rock this morning. And I did. And I'd like to read you just four verses, and I want you just to listen there. It's um, amazing lyrics from this hymn written in 1776. It's a pretty interesting date, isn't it? Hope the rest of you know what happened in 1776. It wasn't the year I was born. (laughs) It was... um, well, I'll give you a clue. In 1976, our country celebrated the 200th anniversary of something, okay? <laughs> but in 1776, August, Augustus Toplady wrote this amazing hymn. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. Those are a little, maybe a little complicated, but they're rich words. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill the law's commands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. (coughs) Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Verse 4, while I draw this fleeting breath, when mine eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Those are good words. Um, For those of you that aren't familiar with old English, rock of ages, cleft for me, meaning that, that spot in that rock, our rock, God, that we can hide in and find refuge in, deliverance, redemption, salvation. But as I was doing this Google search for Rock of Ages and I found these words, you wouldn't believe what else I found. See, this is the part where you're going to think I'm really smart now. <laughs> I thought immediately I would find Rock of Ages, the hymn. I mean, just that's my background, you know. That, but would you believe that the first 
page of Google searches didn't produce Rock of Ages, this amazing hymn. What's that? Thank you. It, it, it's, a, it's a Broadway musical. And this is, I'll just read you. Rock of Ages is a rock jukebox musical built around, around classic rock hits from the 1980s especially from the famous glam metal bands of the decade. For those of you that uh, are really on top of the rock scene, you would have known that it, it was at the Paramount Theater last month in Seattle. Were you there, Jesses? Amazing. Wow. <laughs> well, we all need a rock to hide in, a refuge. I thought the play on words was amazing because it, um, this Rock of Ages Broadway musical and this Rock of Ages powerful hymn with lyrics, I thought the, the play on words was amazing because it brought me immediately back to a couple of years ago when I was talking with one of the local rock musicians, a very talented young man who uh, has been in several bands and performs individually, uh, as talented a musician as I've ever met. Um, I, getting to know him over, over months, I kind of built a relationship with him and seeking to kind of share with him the rock of ages as I built this relationship. One day he told me, he said, Dave, Music is my savior. Music is what has saved me and enabled me to survive in this world. And that's where he's still at today. And, and that's what I want to ask you this morning as we look at some amazing truths in the scriptures is who is your rock <laughs> this morning? Is, is it music? Is that what is your savior? It's what is enabling you to survive? Is it a relationship you're clinging to? A, a job that you're... Uh, money? What, what is it? What is, what is your rock upon which you find your security, your, your hope, your refuge this morning. Well, I'm excited to take you through some scriptures and this truth, like I said, that appears dozens of times. And, I, and just follow along with me. We're going to go through this quickly. Um, or I could just take a long time. It's up to you. No. We'll go through it quickly um, to get us our first glimpse of Christ in the Old Testament this morning. Okay? If you're in Deuteronomy, the first thing that we see is is that God is our rock, okay? I want to just establish, and, and, and what we see, if you turn to Deuteronomy 32, verse 31, same chapter, but go on down to 31. It says, the rock of our enemies is not like our rock, as even they recognize. Interesting statement, isn't that? The rock of our enemies is not like our rock, even as they recognize. Okay? So, 
Go to verse 37, same chapter. Verse 37. He will ask, uh, well, we'll start at 36. The Lord will give justice to his people. He will change his minds about his servants. When he sees their strength is gone and no one is left slave or free, then he will ask, where are their gods? The rocks they fled to for refuge. Where now are those gods? So I want you, I hope you see it's pretty clear here that, so the word rock here, then, as it's referred to in the Old Testament, it refers to whatever someone is trusting it as their God or their hope or the salvation. And yet, God is our rock. Turn to Isaiah 17. This is where we're going to, no, I'm sorry, Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44. So there's a lot of rocks out there, right? A lot of things that we're hoping in. Maybe that you're hoping in this morning. Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. This is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord of heaven's armies. I am the first and the last. There is no other God. Who is like me? Let him step forward and prove to you his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times when I established a people and explains his future. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purposes for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No. There is no other rock. Not one. Well, there are. I mean, there, there are other rocks, as we read in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Gods, hopes, refuges, deliverers that, that everyone is looking to. But, but what I want us to see, first of all, as we work through this, is that there is, according to Scripture, only one rock. And what that means is that God alone is God. That's what it refers to when it refers to God as our rock, that... He alone is God. There is, everything else is a pretender. He alone is our rock. Number two, let's uh, go to Psalm 18, if you would, please. Psalm 18. So the first thing I want you to get is that God alone is God, and that's what it means by he's our rock. The second thing is we see in Psalm 18, verses 1 to 3. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. Look at verse 46. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. Number two. When it refers to God as our rock, that he alone is God. Number two, it refer, when it talks about God as our rock, it's talking about the fact that he is alone our savior. 
Not just alone our God, but our Redeemer. You see, it's, it's Hebrew parallelism in, in verse 46 where it says, Praise be to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. It's in parallel phrases saying the same thing. God is my rock. God is my Redeemer. God alone is my Deliverer. And yet, as we go through the Old Testament, and you don't have to read it very far, you find out that despite the fact that God alone is God, God alone is Savior, what do we see from his people? We see that they're constantly forgetting who he is, that he is their rock. Look, look at Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Verses 32 to 36. Psalm 78, 32 to 36. In spite of this, the people kept sinning. There you go, Kristen. Despite his wonders, they refused to trust him. So he ended their lives in failure, their years in terror. When God began killing them, they finally sought him. They repented and took God seriously. Then they remembered that God was their rock that God Most High was their Redeemer. Look at Isaiah 17. I told you I was going to take you through some verses, right? People with um, smartphones have it easier. They can just, you know, type it in really quick. (laughs) Isaiah 17, verses 9 and 10. Their largest cities will be like a deserted forest, like the land the Hivites and Amorites abandoned when the Israelites came here so long ago. It will be utterly desolate. Why? Because you have turned from the God who can save you. You have forgotten the rock who can hide you. And that's the story of the Old Testament. And and we could probably say that can be the story of our lives too, right? God is the rock. He alone is God and He alone is Savior and yet we forget. And then we remember, oh, yeah, when we're going through a hard time. And then God, it's kind of like the cycle in the book of Judges and then God, He shows Himself to be the rock again. Uh, Like when He appeared to Samson's parents, an amazing appearance of the angel of the Lord Jesus Himself in the Old Testament. And the judges delivered and and then, they, and then they get fat, kind of like the verses that Angelica read in Deuteronomy 32. We get all cozy and comfortable and think, yeah, I can handle this by myself. And, and we forget. And then we remember. And then we forget. The question I want to ask, just as we kind of turn the corner a little bit here this morning in this study, is how can we, when the cycle is we see it in the Old Testament, we see it in our lives. How can, how can we who are so weak, so fickle, so unfaithful, so forgetful, not just temporarily, but, and not just externally, not just partially, but, but permanently and internally experience the change of God being our Redeemer, our Savior, our Rock? 
Well, this is where it gets exciting. Okay, turn with me to Exodus chapter 17, please. Exodus 17. How can our rock, our Redeemer, be that to us, such unfaithful, fickle, <laughs> sinful people? Exodus 17, we get our first glimpse. If you don't catch it, just, just stay with me, okay? At, at the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin. It's kind of, they were in kind of the wilderness of sin the whole time. <laughs> And they moved from place to place. Eventually they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, and you can see, once more, the people complained against Moses, despite the fact that he'd been their rock, their deliverer, their provider. Day after day, once more, without water, they complained to Moses and they said, give us water to drink, they demanded. I like the translate the NLT translation here. Quiet, Moses replied. <laughs> why are you complaining against me and why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continue to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? We liked being slaves there. No, that, that doesn't say that, but anyway. He says, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? And Moses cries out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They're ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. And I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai, and I want you to strike the rock, and water will come gushing out, and the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out. As the elders looked on. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 20, please. Numbers 20. A couple books farther. Start at verse 6. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people. And what are they doing? Uh, this, is, this is a second time, another time when they're complaining about being thirsty, okay? That's the context in verses 1 to 5. They fell face down on the ground, and the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff, assemble the entire community, and as the people watch, I want you to speak to the rock. And it will pour out its water. And you will have enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community. And if you were to re continue reading in the story, you'll see that Moses, in his anger and his frustration with the people, instead of speaking to the rock, he again struck the rock. God, in his grace, poured the water out for the people, but Moses had disobeyed the Lord. Do you want to know the consequences of Moses disobeying the Lord this time? In Deuteronomy 32, no, sorry, somewhere. I didn't write it down. The consequences of Moses 
hitting the rock instead of speaking to the rock this time was missing out on going into the promised land. It's amazing. That's a serious stuff. Moses, who for 40 years led a rebellious and obstinate people through the promised land, called the meekest, the gentlest man on the face of the earth. He spoke face to face with God. Missed out on going into the promised land because he hit the rock the second time instead of speaking to the rock. What's going on here? One more verse in Isaiah chapter 8 and then we'll kind of, kind of wrap it up for you. Isaiah chapter 8. I'm going to start at verse um, 13. Isaiah 8, 13. It says, Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. Meaning the Lord is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. If you're to read the verse before, it's great. It talks about don't, don't, don't call everything a conspiracy that people call a conspiracy. It's a great little answer if you struggle with following conspiracy theories all the time. Say so just don't, don't follow that rabbit trail all the time. Make the Lord your fear. That's a, in, in, in light of what's going on in the world around us, this is a great reminder there's so many things that, and there's so many of us that are fearful about so many things. And this says, he is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. But notice the next phrase. It's, it's a sobering little addition. It says, but to the people of Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes people stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Who is that rock that will make them fall? The Lord of heaven's army. The Lord, this is the Lord that's being talked about, is the rock that will make them fall. Another translation says, a rock of offense. What is so offensive? This rock that is alone God, that is alone Savior and Redeemer. What's going to make him so offensive? Well, that's the Old Testament. We're going to move into the New Testament here. If you'd turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So we kind of put this together. Look at verse 1. 1 Corinthians 10. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And that was the angel of the Lord going ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. Now notice this. And all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. 
Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Please. A couple more verses. 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 4. Follow this as I read. It's, these are great verses. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, that rock of offense, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced another translation says will never be disappointed will never be disappointed in this rock oh, other rocks will disappoint but not this rock yes verse 7 you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him but for those who reject him the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone and he is the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fall. Straight out of Isaiah chapter 8. The Lord of heaven's armies, the Lord Jesus Christ, the rock of offense, our Redeemer. What was so offensive about him? It's what made him our Savior. You see, the people of Israel is... So we've talked about before, I mean, the, they were looking for a worldly Messiah. <laughs> they were looking for someone once again, like they did all through the book of Judges, all, you know, all through their history, looking for, for someone or something to temporarily deliver them from their, the latest external evil that faced them. And at this point, in, when Jesus was alive, it was Rome. The latest external evil that needed to be taken care of so they could live their lives. an external savior. John 1 says he came to those who were his own and his, and his own didn't receive him. They looked on him. He was born in a feeding trough to a poor young couple hung out with a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors and prostitutes And he died a shameful death on a cross as a curse. A rock of offense. The once and for all final sacrifice for our sins. That's not how people expected God to come. The deliverer. They expected him to come as he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday that he was riding in even though he came on a donkey. They were expecting them to come in on a, a war horse and, and deliver them from their enemies because they didn't realize that what they really needed to be delivered from wasn't something that music could deliver them from or a, or a general could deliver them from or money could deliver them from. The only thing that could deliver them from their sin was a savior who went and hung on a cross and said, it's finished who said, I thirst, 
the living water who gushed water out of the rock for them so they could, their physical thirst could be quenched. The living water himself on the cross said, I'm thirsty. He became thirsty, the living water, a curse for us, death for us, so that we could live, be redeemed. That's our rock. Isn't that amazing? The rock who gave us birth, Deuteronomy 32, the origin of life, the creator of the universe, that's our rock. And our rock is the one hanging on the cross as our once and for all final sacrifice for sins. That's our rock. Isn't that amazing? Christ is our rock, our God, our Redeemer. How do we respond to such a rock? How, how will you respond to that rock this morning? There's two responses that I'd like to challenge you with this morning as we finish. First, I just want to read a couple more verses in Romans. Romans chapter 9. 31 to 33. Listen to these verses. Romans 9, 31 to 33. says, The people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, they never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in Him. Was that you this morning? Trying to be right with God? Trying to find hope and salvation and deliverance in your own way? Your own means? Why not? They were trying to keep the law, trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting Him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. Jesus. God warned them of this in the scriptures when He said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. But get this, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disappointed. And that's the first response I, I challenge some of you with this morning. So what some of you need to do, you need to, for the first time, trust the rock as your redeemer. Some of you are trusting your own goodness, your own good deeds, thinking you're a good person. Have you ever measured yourself up with the holy God of the universe? <laughs> Maybe thinking that just your salvation, like this young musician I talked about earlier, is it music or a friend or money or whatever else it is. Every other rock will disappoint you. I, I appeal to those of you this morning that don't know Jesus as your rock, as your redeemer, that you would trust in him this morning in his blood shed for you on the cross. Isn't it amazing what our rock was willing to go through for us? Our creator became our redeemer on the cross. And only didn't needed to do it once. That's the imagery in the Old Testament. And that's why Moses was told to speak to the rock the second time because 
It's a once and for all final sacrifice for sins that Christ accomplished on the cross. It didn't need to be done again. He didn't need to be struck again. Salvation is accomplished. It's once and for all. It's accomplished and it's available to you this morning. If you're trusting something other than Jesus as your refuge, your redeemer, your savior, trust in him this morning. And then the second thing, Psalm 62. Psalm 62. Listen to verses 5 through 8. The psalmist says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people. I love this verse. Oh, my people. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him for God is our refuge. He's our rock. For those of us here this morning that have trusted Christ as our rock, as our redeemer, as our as the forgiveness of our sins, as our hope of heaven, I'm thinking that a lot of us do a better job of trusting in our rock for eternity than we do for right now. And the second thing I'd like to challenge those of us who have trusted him to get us to heaven, but we're not sure about his ability to handle the problems on earth. He's the same rock. The same refuge, the same cleft for me. And he wants to be that refuge to you. I want to share something just very personal as I close and I hope encouraging you to look to him as your rock Um, yesterday uh, well the last few days my my wife and I were at Ocean Shores enjoying 75 degree sunshine yeah okay yeah that's not Ocean Shores okay it was raining like it was here (laughs) but we had a wonderful time together. I got up yesterday a little bit late because I stayed up late. Having a wonderful time with the Lord, I was actually studying for this morning and just enjoying my meditation and my reflection on God as our rock. And then out of the blue, and it was kind of unconscious, but I just began to get upset, internally angry. I I was just spending amazing time with the Lord. Hope this doesn't disappoint you. Think I'm, you know. (laughs) Internally, you ever have a problem? Just out of the blue, just angry, frustrated. I mean, and and, um, so it just kind of took over me and I was just, uh, I didn't beat my wife, um, in case you were wondering. No. <laughs> but I did, in my anger and frustration, told Sydney, I'm going to go for a bike ride, because I wanted to kind of take it out by 
beating myself up on the bike, you know. <laughs> Crawling on your knees to accomplish redemption doesn't work, I guarantee you. So I rode, and Cindy asked if she could go with me. I said, you can, but you're not going to be able to keep up. <laughs> I was seeing a foul mood. And um, so that's what happened. We t- I took off, and being in this foul mood, I just rode. I think it might be the first time I've ever done that. I just rode, and I just deliberately rode, punishing myself. Um, and... Um, I got home. I, I got back to the trailer that we were staying at, and uh, it, would, it, it, it had been a, a good time in terms of um, kind of just trying to pour out my heart to the Lord as I was punishing myself on the bike. Cindy got got there about fifteen or twenty minutes after I did, and. Um, And she said, what's, what's wrong? What's going on? Something I did? I said, no, it's just my own inner battles going on. And then I did something that was one of the most brilliant things I've ever done in my life. I said, could you pray for me? And she did. And in Jesus' name, she prayed for me. And instantaneously, my oppression just was relieved. I was delivered from this torment that was just going on in my head and uh, I was free. See, he's a redeemer for eternity and he wants to be your rock and redeemer. He wants to, as the one who paid for your sins on the cross, redeem you as nothing else can redeem you and deliver you. He wants to be that and you need that. No other rock will satisfy. But he wants to be it today and tomorrow for our torments, for our fears and our, and our angers and our lusts and our, our failures. He wants to be that day by day by day. We need to pour out our hearts to him as our redeemer and let him be that. That's the rock. He's our rock. Let's pray. Father, Jesus, thank you for being our rock. Like no other rock. Our Redeemer. Amen.